0: Yep. give me a nod you when you're ready. Shooter's like, ready, stand by.
1: everybody, I'm Frank Gow, joined by my co-host Matt Wenlock. Welcome to the, this episode of 3GIQ. Today we have Josh Cardenas. We've had him on before. He was on for the interview with J.J. Rikaza, um, And we've always intended to have him on and talk about his path to the shooting team, uh, his progress as a competitive shooter. But since he was so close to us, we figured that was going to happen, and uh opportunity came up organically. He recently came back from an uh, international pistol shooting, what's the C stand for? I don't know. Ipsic match. Confederation. Uh, Confederation. Yeah. Uh, very non, non-American non word. Um, he just came back from the Caribbean Open. Uh, he shot in Puerto Rico and recently got picked up by uh, Da Vinci Machining and Outdoor Dynamics as his sponsors. Um, originally from Southern California, uh, 0311. He got picked up for the Marine Corps shooting team. When I met him, he was uh, he had orders, but he was just waiting to get to the team. He spent a little about a year on the Marine Corps shooting team before transitioning to the advanced march training program. We covered the AMTP a few episodes ago with our guest Dan Rhodes. But uh good to have you here, man. Excited for this conversation. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. So uh kind of getting started out with everything, you know, you like we said, you've been on the podcast before. We've never really kind of talked about your path to the team and how that was all set up. And then now you're at AMTP. So kind of how did everything all happen?
2: Yeah, um, so I got my first taste of it um, back in 2019. That's actually when we, uh, around where we actually first met and where I kind of met the shooting team. And um, so at the time I was at Okinawa and uh, the team at the time was holding the division matches and they were coming through. And my unit at the time asked if I wanted to go to a shooting competition. I was like, Absolutely. So I uh, went to the match. Um, that's where, you know, I met Raider. I met Loreno, I met, Lorena, I met the, old, uh, the old team. And it uh, ended up doing really well. And it was really cool. And, and so from there, um, got the invitation to go to Quantico uh, for the championship match. Um, ended up doing really well there. And that's where I actually got the opportunity to be a uh, subrogman for the uh, for the team and shot action uh, for that for that season. So yeah. Um, what what he in, means
0: by yeah. action is three gun. He shot three guns. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I um it, I had very little um uh, to no experience in like the competitive world. I just knew that I liked shooting. Um and, and I as soon as we tapped into it when so I did the um uh the championship match, that three gun season was um where I kind of got that bite and I was like, I knew I needed to keep doing this. And um that was probably like the best three months of my life. Like wake up every morning, just go and shoot, like that was awesome. <laughs>
0: So I I, I kind of want to bring one thing up from that summer that I remember because Colonel Hall was our CEO at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, him and his, I think the idea really came from his wife and it was roughly around the time that the, one of the new John Wick movies came out. And, <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> we had Joshua Cardenas here, uh, you know, run this whole video segment of like burning down targets. And it was like, Hey, if he can do this, you know, he did. He he picked this up in like, what, three weeks, a month, something like that. Uh, let's see you come out here. and We kind of challenge uh, Keanu Reeves to come out. It never actually uh, happened. We, I was we, about to ask, did it, like, what happened with that? Did that, I, we didn't really hear much from it. From uh, No, we didn't. Yeah. I was talking, I talked to Colonel Hall. They reached out to the agent, but it was all kind of crickets and everything. It was like, whatever, <laughs> you know, it would have been really cool to have him come out, but it, it didn't occur. But just like the virtue of you doing that video like it really did show a lot of progression and like how we how we train compared to others and what sets other people apart from like everybody else who considers themselves marksmen. yeah I mean that's not to fault I mean we had the best hands down the best competitors
2: but also instructors in the Marine Corps I mean we had Scott Rader Loreno a very large man I will not splat his name out because he'll probably kill me after um (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah we they were each they were very very good at what they did they were very good at isolating the skills and and teaching uh in their own style granted because you know you know raider raiders he's got a teaching style randy's got a teaching style but they they were really good at mentoring um us and like they were my first mentor so like learning from that and then seeing how we progressed throughout the season was pretty was pretty
0: nuts yeah. So now you're on AMTP. Uh, well, you know, it was a couple of years before we go into AMTP. It was a couple of years before you actually got to the team. You know, can wow. can you kind of talk about that process?
2: Yeah. Uh. So I after the summer season, um, I had a request. I had tried and um asked and see if I can go directly to the team um, as a permanent member. Um, my monitor was not having it. So he um he, you know, Marine Corps side of things. I I went to one six Lejeune. Uh, So I did two years there. Wasn't quite sure whether or not I was going to come back or not, but I knew that I wanted to be there. And so I had the um, so I put the time to practice um, after we came back from Okinawa uh, during our UDP and uh, having the conversation with you. Actually, that's where you actually started this. Uh, But you talking Raider, talking to the team and seeing what was my, you know, what was the end state of would i be able to come back and um you guys said that you really want to be back but monitor stuff and then like i said that one time and i was an okay, i think i called you or you texted or something like that and you said give me like give me like here i'll call you back give me like a few days and like on monday morning you're like yeah i got your orders i was like oh my god
0: it, it was kind of a perfect storm because like we had just gotten a new monitor and yeah. like josh stewart became is still a friend of mine he was a msg monitor who kind of controls uh who, who controls, like who goes to the team and everything on, on the big Marine Corps side. And so like him and I kind of hit it off really well. And I was just like, Hey dude, like I got a guy, I want to get to the team, but the monitor ain't playing. What can we do? He's like, give me a day. And you know, Monday I called him. I was like, Hey, so what's the status? He's like, he's got orders. So then I reached out to you. I was like, I, I reach out to you and Brader. I was like, Hey, Cardi, Cardi's got orders. It was, it was it. really cool. <laughs>
2: that was so that was a it was a hard um I think it was doing I think it was like a solid two months while in Okie where I was just back and forth with yeah. my career plan. It was a it was a mess. Um took the risk with the reenlistment and stuff. Yeah, it was it was a mess on the report side, but it it worked out and I was yeah, it was just super cool.
0: Yeah, and so you got to the team, you took over as coach and everything, but then you had an opportunity to go over to AMTP. So can you tell us about uh that whole segment?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it, um, so prior to me getting there, uh, they had they were in development for about a year. Um, so uh, John Glamba, uh, you know Dan Rhodes, uh, you know Craigo, a couple of the guys from the team, uh, they got slated to go over to the group um, to start this new program. And uh, now that they were getting phased out, they needed new bodies. They needed new guys. Um, but the idea behind it was they wanted to keep the quality of instructors and uh, at least the experience level higher. Uh, in order to do that, they were pretty much going to be just pulling from teams, and so um, question came up. I volunteered. I looked. I looked at kind of the options compared to what it would have been, you know, whether it be teams or NTP, like what the lifestyle would have been like. Because I love competing. I love. I love the mix mix. Those are like my biggest things that I enjoy doing while on teams. But the uh, program was changing the way the Marine Corps saw marksmanship. And I wanted to be part of that process to change marksmanship for the better, at least in the practical side. And I wanted to be part of that uh, development. And so I I was like, it's a done deal. I I have no problem going over there Um, teaching. I can still shoot on my own, which was pretty cool. And uh, since it's in line with what we do at work and everyone's in support of it.
0: I work with really really good dudes, so I'm happy with the move. No, that's awesome. It's good to hear that that program's really taken off. And like, you know, uh, what was it? Episode 69, I think it was with Dan Rhodes. Uh that, you know, just hearing the progression that's taken place at the schools of infantry and like what those entry-level students are learning. It's like you guys are doing something that is really affecting the Marine Corps as a whole. And that's that's pretty that's something to be proud of. Yeah. We I can we can probably make the uh the comparison to like a summer season. Mm-hmm.
2: You're taking guys that have whatever experience level of, of shooting um and you're putting them in a two-week course and they're coming out of there um let's just say as an equivalent they're maybe an unclassed to d shooter and we're putting up putting them up into like a ba class shooter in oh, yeah. two weeks granted we're throwing we're, you know they're shooting thousands and thousands of rounds to get to that point um and as long as they're hitting that i believe button they're just implementing these um these skill sets but they're they The results are there and they're showing huge progress and they're willing to bring and kind of spread that knowledge out to the big Marine Corps, especially the SOIs,
0: which is going to look pretty good. Well, it's, you know, what I have to say about that is like the Marine Corps, like, you know, the, the Army Marksmanship Unit, you know, they have a way of recruiting, you know high schoolers and, and just really good competitive shooters. Uh, but one of the things that they do is they look at our our guys and like, we're almost a farm team for the AMU. Like they got, they got quite a few people over on the AMU from the Marine Corps shooting team and, you know, having conversations because I'm friends with a lot of those people. One of the biggest things that they're always impressed with is how we can take somebody who has almost zero skill and then just in such a short amount of time, like get them up to a certain level to where they're ready to go to that next step. They're they're ready to cross that threshold, and just get at it. So yeah. it's really cool. Like the way the way you guys and I, you know, the way you guys develop your training programs to get people a certain way not just at amtp but on the teams itself it's pretty impressive how fast you can make people develop absolutely
1: so uh, when i first met you i uh, was at 2021 lake mick mm-hmm. uh over at camp Lejeune. at that point you already had your orders but you were just kind of you're getting through your time on station on lejeune so that you could get to the shooting team mm-hmm. how did you keep your skills so you you did a summer season you learned a lot of stuff about action three-gun shooting how'd you keep your skills sharp in that interim period being in okinawa and then being a little bit on your own before getting to the team
2: um so from the summer season funny enough um as soon as i got to June, it was like maybe three or four like about three or four months and then we went back to Oki. so i i didn't touch a gun like in that manner for a while And it wasn't until we got back and then that's when we met at the Mic Mic is when I started actually picking it back up and it was a lot of dry (laughs) fire. I dry fired a lot, a lot, a lot. Care Optics was the first thing that I um, that you kind of actually put me in the direction of because it was something that was interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, you were willing to give me like everything I needed in order to practice. And um that was super super generous and awesome but I knew that if I wanted to get to that next level and be prepared to go to the teams, I felt that it was like my responsibility just to get to that get to as good as I possibly can in that eight months span. So I drive fired a lot I drive it right every single day um I would go to every single match and you know we would go obviously we did the travel thing though, for a while we would go to every single match in the North Carolina area that we could hit um eventually shot our first major
1: mm-hmm.
2: and from that, it was me kind of identifying my faults and and also identifying what i was really good at understanding where like those, you know, where my left and rights were and what I needed to expand and learn from. And then I would constantly study other shooters, mm-hmm. best shooters in the world, whether it be, you know, Max Michelle, JJ Ricaza, you know, um, I was looking at guys like Jim Krantz, Miriam um, Brantley, like those guys, I was just looking at everybody. And I wanted to study the way they shot and why were they successful? And I, I just kind of picked things that I kind of liked about what they did. And I wanted to see if I could mimic or at least implement it in my type of style of shooting. And from there, I would just again. It was thousands and thousands of hours. Like I would do maybe like four or five hours a day.
1: I I believe it. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's there's always those types of individuals that you end up running into. For me, it's Jared Hellmeyer. I shared, a, uh, like I was right next to him office wise when I was second Intel. Uh, everyone likes to think that they work hard until they meet a real workaholic, and you're just like I just don't want to be on that guy's level because it's just a sheer amount of commitment. Uh, but you brought up a good point is that you kind of on your own learn to dissect video. And where that helps you is like, everyone takes match videos. And to be honest, like, yeah, we'll post it on social media. But the main reason is so you can dissect your shooting and you can see where things went wrong, where you're losing time. So would you say watching a lot of footage online helps you but fine tune that critical eye?
2: A a lot, a lot actually. I know the way like my learning style is like if I can see it Mm -hmm. I can I can kind of like remember it and process it and I can kind of mimic it I I can copy things really well I don't know what it is just something about me just seeing the thing and I can kind of like do it um so the videos things are super important um but it really isn't just on me like because I would more or less I wouldn't really care about videos of me shooting Mm -hmm. I wanted to see other people but the guys that were doing really well at majors and Uh, And nationals and worlds and stuff like I was watching those guys and gals. Like I just wanted to see what they were doing and see if I can. And I, you know, wherever I was in the standings Mm -hmm. of a match, that's where I can go. Okay, there's something happening here. Maybe I need to keep doing that, or this is not working. Let me take that out and maybe refine it a little differently. Yeah, um, and things like that. So that that yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that really worked out.
1: Okay, and then a last question on this particular topic um you spent you got orders you spent two years until you got to the shooting team Mm -hmm. and that's just a factor of like marine corps timing sometimes like if you are persistent and you put yourself like you put yourself in the right situations and you work at it good things will come to you even in the marine corps however just based on timing sometimes you got to wait a very long time for those things so i guess like for folks listening that might be um might be waiting on something better or uh, might be having a hard time keeping focus when they know like there's another step, but it's just taking a long time to come. Do you have any like thoughts on like just staying focused in general?
2: I found that you almost have to have a sense of obsessing. Like you have to have an obsessive personality to want to do one thing over and over again, to be the best you possibly can at that one thing. Right. Jack of all trades is great. Being decent at certain things is good. But like, if you really want to like be good at something, you have to just be almost obsessed about that one thing. Not to say that like, you know, people aren't capable of doing that. But for me personally, like I only did this one thing every day or every week. And I only, you know, all, you know, most of my financial, <laughs> my fantasy went that direction. All my efforts, my time was spent learning how to shoot, in this case, carry optics or maybe a rifle as best as I can. Um, so just understand what the goal is and what you're trying to accomplish. Understand that there's also risk because I took a risk and it worked out, but if it if it didn't, I would be in a different situation currently. Yeah. Um, but I was willing to put myself in that situation to get to what I really wanted, but it, I knew I had to put everything into it to make it a reality.
1: Right, okay, yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing I'll add to that is like and you absolutely kind of hit the nail on the head with, you know, an obsessive personality with a lot of those things. But another thing you did is you kept in contact with the right people. um, You know, you maintain a positive relationship and you didn't you didn't make it to where it was an annoyance. Um, there are some people who are just obsessive and they're like every week trying to hit you up um. and and they're not keeping up with the skills but it's that's something that you did like you kept up regularly you maintained a good friendly relationship we knew what your work ethic was like and you we knew you were passionate it was like we have to get this guy and we knew that there was uh there was a note put in your record in place saying once you got back from this deployment and you finish your time as a squad leader that you would be getting orders to the team. So it was like more or less us just reaching back out saying, Hey, he did his part. He, he did his deployment. He served as a squad leader. He's got everything kind of freaking taken care of. It's like, bring him here to the team. And it worked out. Yeah. I didn't act. I wasn't a squad leader. Oh, (laughs) sorry. I don't want to put that on record. I was not a squad leader. (laughs) Okay.
2: Team leader. I was, uh, so I was, uh, I was the ops chief there for, okay. For my, right. for my company yeah
0: okay ops chief whatever <laughs> i'm
2: sure this comes out and people are like he wasn't he wasn't that like <laughs> it's like no no yeah i just i had a great time great dudes love what i did there um,
0: but you know we kind of already described it and you do take things to another level with things but can you uh, can you outline what your dry fire training regimen and schedules like and then how has that evolved over compared to when you first began shooting So in the beginning, it started off um, kind of ridiculous.
2: I think it was a little, a little too much doing four to six hours uh, straight. Granted, like I was a single corporal sergeant at the time, you know, didn't have, don't have family, don't kids, you know, I just have my time. Right. So being able to just focus on this one thing was, there was nothing in the way to, you know, to not do that. So um, I would do so from the teams and things that I picked uh, that I took to heart from like Raider and Loreno and guys that taught me on the team was that to isolate skills specifically, right? It didn't matter what it might be, but the isolation of skills was like the key point. So I took that and expanded on it. And I would just talk and I would practice. Let's just talk the draw. I would, I would focus on my technique on how to get the gun out as soon as possible, getting it to my dominant eye as soon as possible, breaking everything down at that beginning level and then expanding on that and trying to get faster and faster and more consistent. I would do that thousands of times going forward. Then I would expand it to other things, like I would do movement, then I would do transitions, and then I would do like everything that goes into shooting, you know, dynamically, like, like in a stage, I would break every single thing and do that over and over and over again to the point where I knew that I was consistent, it was reliable, and I was um and I was comfortable at that speed. Um, I, I um, I have the advantage of having um, I guess like a, de- a decent amount of athleticism, so I can be really quick on my feet, and I I pick up a lot of like those kind of range of motions really quickly. So I I took I, you know I acted I um kind of acted upon that and use that to my advantage to um put myself a little over that edge, but that would mean that I would have to push harder and harder and harder. Nowadays it's a lot less. I don't. T- I don't put that much effort and at least that much time um, because I found that sustainment is more important to me. I don't need to do six hours because I'm just I'm just doing a, a thousand, you know, you know curls for no reason at that point. Yeah, I'm going to get really sore and tired, but I'm not going to really learn anything.
0: Things starts it's, depreciating over time.
2: Absolutely. It does. You just kind of it just becomes a waste of time. So at a certain level, um, no matter where you are in, in your shooting career or, you know, whatever thing you're doing, um, you're gonna get to a point where like there's not a lot of things that you can learn, not to say there isn't, but in that specific um you know thing, let's just call the draw, there's not much else I can expand upon that, right? It's really at that point just sustainment. So I'm just constantly making sure that I have the same speed, the consistency, um and just finding other things to work on that are new to me. and um, in this case, which is the PCC, which I'm sure will go down later. But uh, um yeah, so it, it's it's just sustainment. Uh, isolating the skills, doing it a lot, just over and over and over again, and then doing it in building blocks. Some people have different ways of learning. Um, I did it in chunks where I would do it relatively slow. Then I would do it just faster and faster and faster until I got to a point where I thought I felt, um, comfortable at this speed. And then I would perform at an 80% of that speed at the matches. And then it would just build from there, um, through experience. Nice.
1: Um, so I remember it distinctly. We we're on our way to Pe- uh, Pennsylvania for Area 8, about mm-hmm. like half a year ago. And I mentioned a match called the Caribbean Open. I thought, yeah. I said, it'd be really cool to shoot internationally. And you were like, hell yeah. And so it was, like, Sam Nelson was like, hell yeah. Uh, but we didn't plan to go until, like, 2024. Yeah. And you went this year. Like, six months later, you just went. You just went. <laughs> and you did awesome. Um, what happened? How did all these things line up? to make your first international match possible uh
2: the sponsorship absolutely the so do you want me to talk about the yes how that happens yes. yeah absolutely yeah. okay so so um this is uh this is very recent this has been within uh maybe like um two or three months so i uh i'm just about to transfer over to amtp and so um i'm shooting a lo- the local at qsc and um dave ankeny was in the squad All right. we know dave we've, we've shot with him before and uh really great um you know just always great to hang out with and he was shooting a da vinci and he was part of a team da vinci and uh and i had picked up a pcc um i was borrowing it from one of the guys from atp because i said you know i want to try it out just to see how it is just to you know why not um shot the match and then dave um you know i i go to David's like what is that you know it's, he says it was defensi and i was like oh that's pretty cool he's like yeah here try it out so i was like cool so i i, I run one of the stages with it and i was like this is super nice like this is a really nice gun and um he's like yeah man like you know this, they're, they're good stuff and i i had told him and mentioned that i was leaving the team to go to amtp and now that i you know i'm kind of looking for some type of support um just because this is expensive and there's a lot of things i you know i just wouldn't be able to do if i didn't have the support and um he, i think he just kind of put that in the back of his mind and a couple days later he calls me he's asked me like hey do you want to shoot for da vinci and i said um i was like uh, yeah i'm open to it and so he got me in contact with david pedovin uh, who's the owner and uh they they hooked me up with um uh, getting me a rifle and that's where that started so from there um i'll talk about outdoor and outdoor dynamics with john later but uh it it wasn't until like a couple months later where they're asking uh the team if they, we wanted to go to caribbean mm. and i was like I, I don't know if i could afford that and it was just cuz you know it's an expensive trip and he's like oh no i'll take care of it i'm like oh okay sure i'll go no problem
1: twist <laughs> <Push> my arm <laughs> and um
2: and that's how that happened he um he just he brought a few guys from, um a few guys and a gal from the teams and we just went and shot the match it was that was it
1: <laughs> yeah it, it all happened super really, random it all happened really quick yeah uh, josh told me he was getting he was he was leaving the team he's going to amtp and then the next week he's like i have a sponsorship already uh, i have two sponsorships already um and oh by the way i'm going to puerto rico i was like good for you man
2: <laughs> so <laughs> very it was it was very random i was not expecting that but, to happen at all
1: i'd like to point out some things like josh's work ethic is what got him onto the team has made him a consistent performer um, but also the way he is at local matches and matches in general. you're a very affable and outgoing person. You like to like talk to people. like you have a lot of friends that you reunite with every time that like, <laughs> like when we you know, when we go shoot together, usually you're off talking to people. I'll just go off and walk stages because that's just who you are. But like, you know, um, establishing those good relationships with people is what made someone comfortable enough to be like, this is a really good shooter but he's also a really good person and i think your your company should sponsor him um and you've talked to the owner uh during the caribbean open and it seems like you guys uh you guys are on the same label like there's a lot of things oh, a much. lot of things and he wants to continue to support your career which is awesome
0: yeah so um you know we've been talking about the caribbean open and how it just kind of happened so quickly so what was that research process like and how did you prepare for the international travel travel process and would you do anything different uh yeah um so the pr- the research
2: side of it was really simple and honestly traveling there with firearms was very easy um to start when you register for the match um kathia who's the uh, match director out there she sends you the paperwork um that it's like a registration um uh form that you put your like what ammo and what firearm you're bringing your firearms you're bringing um it gets sent to the law enforcement out in Puerto rico it gets stamped gets sent back to you and you just have to have that document with you and you travel to you're just gonna tr- fly there like you would any other state you know everything locked it was very very simple uh, surprisingly um the majority of our kind of research was already kind of taken care of, to be honest, uh, David, his wife, uh, and some of the other teams, um, some of the other teammates, they were, they've, they had been there before. So they already kind of knew the lay of land and what to kind of do, what not to do. And so it was very me. It was pretty much just me just kind of going and following and seeing like feeling it out and having, um, just enjoying the experience. Um, uh, but as far as anything different, I would definitely do, time more time before and more time after you're doing 20 stages 10 stages a day um and then you are you know you're depending on where you want to stay whether 15 or an hour uh from the from the range there's a lot to do in puerto rico so like if just having the cape or the ability to have downtime to relax to actually enjoy and see like a beautiful island like it was that was like the thing that i wish we could have done we had a little bit of downtime it was cool. I went to see a gorgeous, uh, waterfall out there. Oh my goodness. It was awesome. But to be able to just like, enjoy the area, get acclimated to the, to the, to the weather. That's actually another thing because it's in the timeline it is. And if you're fear from the East coast, you're going from 35 degrees to 80 degrees
1: <laughs>
2: like instantaneously. So if you're not acclimated or if you're not used to that type of climate, you're going to need some time to, you know, get used to it. But, um, so it, anyone that was in, anyone that's interested in shooting that match, I, I couldn't tell you about the, like the, uh, the flight costs, the expenses. It's not necessarily, um, out of reach. It's not ridiculous, no. but it is, uh, it is very doable and it's very easy to travel to. <clears throat> um, surprisingly easy. I would definitely though have more time before or after in order to actually enjoy and relax.
1: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about logistics, um, just you, you, cause your first question was like, how would that even work? How would we right. travel internationally? Uh, and I said, I mean, I saw JJ Ricasa went, I saw that a bunch of shooters from Texas went and, uh, there's going to be paperwork to get through customs and like, there's probably to be maybe travel visas and a few other things, but oh, all in all, like people do this, um, people inter- travel internationally to shoot at competitions. So I I, I I said, we would just figure it out, but it's nice to know that they just kind of like figured that out for you. Yeah.
2: We're doing this next year, and then like yeah, it's it's uh, it will be very easy. Absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah, and like yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about the the match itself. So, um, it's an ipsic inspired match, and mm-hmm. ipsic is a different format from USPSA. Mm-hmm. Now, it's your first time shooting an ipsic match. What are some things that you enjoyed about that format?
2: Uh, I don't know if this is an ipsic related scenario or I guess situation, but the vibe there was different. Okay. The people like the match whole vibe of the match was different and it, you know you're not seeing anything that different from uspsa mm-hmm. um aside from like the rules and the rules i'm sure we'll go into the rules a little bit um but since this isn't technically it's an it's an ipc inspired match but it would be considered an outlaw match because it's a blend of IPSC and uspsa okay right because one they're allowing pcc and then there's a, a couple other things they kind of had to modify mm-hmm. um so it was, uh, it wasn't hard to like adapt to it. um You know, there's just very small changes. Um, the thing that I would definitely say that they need to implement is shoot-offs. That was so much fun. Yeah. That was, it was just the energy everyone's hooting and hollering. Like it was so much fun.
1: So yeah, if, unless you're on the super squad, there isn't usually uh, a spectator element of the shooting sports. Uh, did you do a shoot-off?
2: i did i was in the shoot off um i got a lim- dave actually dave ankeny ah. he beat me but i lost by the by the uh by fault so um uh-huh. it they uh so i had never done this before i they just they i just saw a bunch of plates and they're like oh shoot i was like great this is gonna go awesome yeah. um they didn't really give us the the know-how beforehand and then <laughs> it wasn't until after that they explained like oh this is how you shoot it uh-huh. but i was like it's fine it but um so anyway, the way that it's laid out, it's usually um, a bunch of steel, and then there's a stop plate in the back, mm-hmm. and you have to do a mandatory reload and shoot the, uh, the stop plate last. If you shoot that any time beforehand, you're automatically um, you're automatically out. And that's what happened with
1: my <laughs> situation. Okay, um, yeah, some key differences between USPSA and IPSC. Uh, you can't leave the shooting area. If Correct. you do, there's a video of um, I think it was JJ where he basically like fell out of the shooting area, ran all the way up and then basically ran all the way back, reestablished himself in the point where he like fell out. Yes. And then, and then like traversed the shooting area. <laughs> um, so that's one major thing. Um, and the, how did you feel about the stage design? Like, how was that? For
2: ipsic it made sense. Okay. A lot of them were, a lot of them were very short. Um, a lot of activators, a lot of swingers. Um, but I think that's by design because um like in uspsa where you can leave the shooting area a lot of the stages that they have there would not have worked if we were under uspsa rules okay like it would just wouldn't have been like there would have been no reason to have that kind of stage right okay. but the way that they designed the stages in this case having to stay within the fault lines um yeah it, it just made sense some of it were relatively simple uh nothing like crazy the field courses were long um,
1: yeah it does look like some really long. yeah there was
2: a. I i think it was our last stage and it was like like the fastest people were doing it in like 22 to 23 seconds and like yeah, the average nice. was like 20, it was a long stage it's just a lot of back and forth, <laughs> a start pattern but shoot that's uh, a short
0: stage in three gun
2: i know <laughs> <laughs> You're doing like two stages oh but um yeah it was a. Uh, I liked it i I think it was uh if it fitted it wasn't anything really that different from uspsa Mm -hmm. just those small differences of shooting areas and round counts and stuff like that you know just kind of like just remember
1: okay (laughs) um you mentioned the shoot off but are there any other elements of ipsic that you would want to see in uspsa or vice versa
0: uh
2: i think this is for for both uh organizations ro resets definitely should be implemented uh, as a normal thing At least implemented for both um, organizations, just because it's like, as a, as a customer of a, of a, of a, an experience, like that just completely changes your experience compared to other, like that's why Carolina classic is just like sought after. It's, it's awesome. It's so, it's such a good match, really well run. It's RO reset. So you're just going there, shoot, and that's your focus. That's your game. So as a as a competitor, like that is really nice to know that I can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of having to worry, possibly getting DQ'd, that kind of, you know, like all other things that I have to worry about about you know pacing. Not to say that it's a bad thing, but that is a really it, it is a luxury that should be kind of normalized. Um, but really, I think really the, just the shoot off for sure because they're really not that much different for the shoot off and then just the whole vibe.
1: Yeah, uh, shoot off is going to be a part of the South, right, Matt?
0: yes it is uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. which i need to get with jason at some point and do a live stream for that but yes it's going to be a. it that's that should be a good time yeah
1: yeah I, I think it's it's overall a popular notion um but yeah it definitely sounds like a cultural thing but i think a lot of people would be all for it right the very yeah. visible uh, there's a lot of pressure and like a one-on-one scenario um because most of the time when you're shooting stage you're shooting against yourself right you have an idea of where everyone else is shooting at, but when you're actually shooting against another person things things change right there's a little bit of extra uh, pressure there
2: and when you're like watching like just as a spectator even if you're not part of the shoot off like watching like the best shooters in the world face off against the best the other best shooters in the world is
0: so fun well
2: like, it's super, super cool
0: the other aspect too is like in a at least in a shoot off in three gun you're you're testing three specific skills you're testing offhand rifle at distance you know generally around 75 yards shooting offhand rifle at a plate rack then you're just you're testing technical but fast pistol skills you know hitting you know hitting targets sequentially and then you're test testing your shotgun skills how fast can you burn through these clays or these steel targets here um and I'm sure it's much of the same with uh with the USPSA Ibsic shootoffs where it's like fast technical skills and you have to be on point on demand performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds really cool. Um, you talked a little bit about the vibe for the match. Um, was it the setting? Was it the attendance? Was it the organization? Uh, what are what are can we like nail down some specific things that made the uh, caribbean open like a different match from anything else you've ever shot
2: with. this is probably like a cultural thing but the people made it like the vibe did. like the vibe was different because of the people right okay. they're, they're very very positive very like majority very like not loud but they're just very supportive and just having a great time like yeah. you can see that they're very happy okay. to be there and to what like be there to either work be there to shoot they're just happy to be there right there's no they didn't seem like there was a sense of drama or at least i didn't see any uh for any any reason it was just like go there hang out with like new people or people that you know and just have a great time that was awesome um and it was very well ran i would say that i have to get to kathia and all the any of the ro's and people that worked that match like they did a phenomenal job running that match mm-hmm. it was organized um presentation wise it was very very nice and they supplied. Like just the way they like to set up like the award ceremony and like the yeah. food, like they, the prep.
1: They that. Oh, my oh, oh, really goodness. Yeah.
2: was so good. Oh, my God.
1: So I'm looking on Instagram. I see this like giant like wok of just like rice and seafood and people are just like stirring it with spatulas. Um, that was, that was the dinner afterwards, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, it was wild. You just, you go in there and just, everyone's in there, either in their jerseys or they're dressed up in some manner, or some are just in sandals and shorts. And there's just this flying saucer walk of like two of them, of paella. And it's yeah. just, oh man,
0: so you, good. Did you have any plantanos or arroz uh, con pollo?
2: Yeah, I had, uh, I had the plantains. What's the, I, oh, they're going to kill me if I don't remember. There's a specific dish that's made out of plantains. That is like either people like it or hate it. I, I don't remember what it was. Oh, uh, sorry.
1: Did you like it? Did you hate it? It was good.
2: I liked okay. it. Yes. Right. So people I I'm sorry if I can't remember. But there was a dish that was there. Um you're dead to uh, you're dead to them now. <laughs> there is a uh, there was also a, um a walnut, no, was it an almond? It was like a creamy liquor that had like almonds in it. And it was like super dark and very creamy. I don't know,
0: it was, it was, fantastic. was it like a rum liqueur or was it, was it like, uh, uh, almost like a bourbon cream type thing?
2: Kind of like, I guess maybe bourbon cream. It was just dark and thick. I, again, I'm bad with liquors, but, uh, that was phenomenal. It looked like it was made in someone's backyard. Like it was, you know, at least what it looked like, but they're like passing it out in these little, like plastic Dixie cups, mm-hmm. not not marked. And it was like a there's like a almond in there and that liquor you eat. It, it was like super sweet, very like creamy. Oh, I was fantastic. I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry if anyone's listening, but like it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so good.
1: Yeah. It's legit. Um, so with these style of matches, like EPSIC tends to go big. So there's a 20 stage match and you shop 10 stages per day. The usual local match is like six stages, right? A Mick make is six stages six. Three, three, three pistol three rifle shot over a couple of days um but 10 stages per day how do you stay mentally focused and like preserve yourself uh, during these longer format matches
2: i would say two things one is uh is taking care of your body so hydration uh food uh, nutrition and rest like being like having your body at it's um you know like keeping it you know at its best for the most part is going to help you get through the process and stay mentally focused. The the mental side of things, I'm the worst about this, but, (laughs) but the mental side of it is to understand that you understand what the stage is, focus on that as the, is your direct task at hand um, and then survive, right? Survive, stay consistent. Don't I'm not the type of shooter that likes to take risks. Um, That's just not my style. I like, Uh, I like playing it safe Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just trying to keep a consistent level. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't gotten to that point where I need to like, you know, take a risk to, you know, get ahead. I just, I am not there quite, I'm not there quite yet. I would prefer to just learn progressively in that manner, but I definitely 10 stages a day. It was long. It was for sure long and the weather didn't help. So I I had to make sure that I was constantly hydrated. I had good rest prior. I was constantly eating um, and I would stretch i'm almost 30 years old and then, uh, if i'm not stretching i'm, I'm yeah. having a bad day yeah so um those are the things that are going to be quintessential to your uh, performance and um trying to just survive and stay consistent you have to upkeep those very specific things um or you're going to start suffering yeah in some manner i
0: yeah. love how you said uh you know i'm 30 now so i have to stretch in this shit i, I know I... I know but
1: i and i don't
2: want to believe it I'm, but i by just it's happening my body's starting to so i gotta do it <laughs> that's that's happening
1: yeah it's usually around the age that you realize that you can't get around you can't get away with just being a young dude anymore yeah. right you can't just send it so I think it, for most of us look at that
2: You play
0: care runs and
1: yeah. carrying sacks of hay hey yes absolutely
0: <laughs> that's this summer uh, yeah, summertime is bail time.
1: <laughs> um, so for these longer format, I mean, we've shot a few of them, right? We, you and I, uh, we shot area matches. We shot nationals, which is twenty stages. Um, what are some things that you need to be cognizant of, like breaking down in terms of fundamentals and focus in one of these longer format matches? Mm. So I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Okay. Um, I I strain, like depending on the lighting conditions and. Just the presentation, some of the targets. Okay. Um, I can definitely feel my eyes start to get tired near the end of the day. And um
0: that's a real thing for me.
1: Yeah. For and that I think that what what that affects for me specifically is target focus. Yeah. Um the eyes get tired and they want to draw back to the easiest thing that you can see in your when you're presenting your pistol, which is your dock or your fiber.
2: Okay. I haven't experienced that yet. I'm sure later in life it will probably happen. Um, it's not because it, I mean, I don't see because we're doing what six stages a day. Yeah. Nationals. Right. Yeah, so,
1: six, six, seven,
2: six, seven. Right. So it's not a and I'm only doing it for, you know, anywhere from 11 to 25 seconds in mm-hmm. that instance. So I I don't I don't think my body's at the point where like I'm getting that like I'm actually having that problem. Um, honestly, it's kind of a repeat of what I said before about the 10 stage thing. Uh, OK, it's like consistent um like just taking care of your body right the stretching the the diet the, the hydration um you know the mental part of it like whatever you got to do to stay relaxed and calm and focused on the task at hand whether it be listening to music talking to your friends um you know calling girlfriend like whatever like and those these are the mental tricks that i played and i actually have problems last season um was the mental part like a lot of the small things were really bothering me and it would it would it would affect my performance Um, when it really counted, especially like nationals, I had a really bad match nationals. Um, me personally, I was having a great run through the season, but nationals just got me bad. Uh,
0: So I, I have a question there because like, I know where, what I used to do and what I do now. Um, but whenever I first really getting got, when I would say I did had my most improvement and I really started focusing down on, on task. Like I would find myself at matches where I wasn't talking really to anybody at all. And I was just running through a stage plan through my head the entire time up until I shot the match. You know, no conversations, no nothing. You know, when people came up and talked to me, I would just try and be like, hey, I'm trying to focus here, you know, run through this in my head. Um, And I found that to be extremely exhausting by the end of the day, like by the end of the day, I was just shot. I didn't want to do anything. Um, but then over time it's like, okay, let me use the walkthrough to my advantage, figure out what my plan is, you know, run through it in my head a couple times, but then go back and relax, talk to people, you know, and, you know, during reset, I would run through the the plan in my head because I I could actually be there on the stage and then like see targets and their presentations, like up close and personal. And then when it was time to go, it was like, okay, let me run through this in my head one or two more times, and then it's go time. Uh, what is your specific process now?
2: Yeah, I actually learned this um, or use this a technique that I took from uh, Max Michel. Um, he does a rules of two. So he takes two shooters before his turn and two shooters after. And then within that zone, that is your, like, you're focusing or getting ready or prepping for the next stage. So stage brief goes on. I walk through, I talk, I kind of go through my little mental checklist. Um, I see where like important little details that I need to pay attention to. And then after that, depending on where I'm in the order, if I'm not up until later, much later, then I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll put my focus is the reset is the make sure that everything is everyone, everyone in the squad's doing good uh, or if they need help or whatever, something like that's my focus. But I will, once, once I've got about two shooters before I'm supposed to go, That's where I'm in I'm in the zone, right? Flip the switch. You're back. I'm back into it. I'm running through the game planning uh, here. I'm not trying to do it excessively because I don't want to just, because I guess to a certain point, if you're doing too much, it's going to, you're going to kind of make a mistake, but I'll run it through, shoot the stage. Good or bad, doesn't matter. No reaction. I try to keep it, you know, just try to keep it where I'm just, all right, it happened. Whatever happened, happened. I will then take two more shooters and then I will then get ready, whether it be, um, you know, load my magazines, make sure that my kit and my gear is ready to go for the next stage. And then I'm back at my focus is the stage, the the shooters and things like that. So, and that, that system has has worked, uh, and completely changed the way I see a match in general. Um, and after I, when did I start remembering this? I think it was several months ago. It was probably, it was right after we left, um, right after our season, and I was watching through uh, his Patreon and I was watching his videos and that video came up and was like, all right, let me try it. And ever since then, it was, it's been a great system because it's like, like you said, like I was experiencing what you were talking about. Like you're just exhausted from all, like having that constant focus about running through stages, uh, worrying about your mistakes and things like that. And it just, it ruins your day. It ruins your experience. Like at the end of the day, we're here to have fun. Mm-hmm. It's, a hobby. it's a hobby, you know? And it's like. Um, Maybe it's work for some people, but it's just, I'm there to have a great time, you know, why ruin it? And then this
0: technique is helping a lot with that.
1: Yeah, well said.
0: So since leaving the Marine Corps shooting team for AMTP, you started shooting for Da Vinci um, and Outdoor Dynamics, you know, and we're not going to, we're not going to, you already kind of highlighted a lot of that stuff, but what really drove drove you to these companies or drew you to these companies? Uh, and I think more importantly, what advice would you give other Marines looking to be sponsored? So the Da Vinci, we talked about it a little bit, but the Da Vinci
2: um, sponsorship just kind of happened. I wasn't, I did not, I I was in a position where I essentially lost my sponsor being the, the Marine Corps shooting team, right? You know, the travel, the you know, that kind of stuff. And um, as a person, as a person that can't really like, you know, I'm a single sergeant. So to speak. single sergeant in the Marine Corps. We don't make that much money. I can't afford to do this every month. And majors, I can't fly everywhere. Right. It's an expensive sport. Um, that happened. And I was just, it just kind of was like, wow, this is crazy. Like maybe there's, you know, maybe you know more can happen. I'm just excited that this is a thing. I was very grateful for it. With outdoor dynamics. Um, uh, one of my friends, Rob, he, uh, he had messaged um, John from outdoor and asked him like, Hey, like there's a guy that is, you know, would like some support and, you know, maybe you can start up a little partnership. And, um, and John was like really open to the idea. Cause I, I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm in a position where I, I, I have, I have a skill set that people could use in a sense for like their brand, um, you know, and I would like to have the support so I can keep shooting the, the, the sport what can I do to do? And I actually asked you a lot, uh, Frank about like questions about this stuff. I was like, I don't know where to start. I don't mm-hmm. know what to, how to sell myself. Cause I'm not really big in the, you know, the social media stuff. I don't like talking about myself. That's just not the type of person I am, but I understood that that's kind of, kind of part of it and you kind of have to do it. So, um, John was willing to like, you know, help me out and give me some, um, you know, support with the ammo thing. Cause that was like the biggest cost, honestly. And, um, And that was huge. So the draw, the uh, what drew me to that was that just a recommendation. I was looking for small companies or companies that have a just an at least an equal passion for what we do as a hobby, as a sport. Guys that are willing to help others just on their own side. Like uh, John is just a really good dude. He's he's been sponsoring and supporting the sport and different matches locally, actually majority of the East coast. Um, same thing for Da Vinci, Da Vinci's is doing the same thing. And I like that, that business model, I like that ethic, uh, that work ethic that they're willing to put, um, for the members, for the sport, for the people that, you know, either do or do not, um, you know, use their product and working with people like that is the biggest draw. Um, so for anyone that's interested in, in, you know, pursuing, um, a sponsorship or w- willing to like get some help it really comes down to just asking right um, building a a a good professional maybe, maybe a good uh, personal relationship with people that are um, willing to help you out and you're willing but you also have to be willing to support them and and put their brand out uh, in a positive manner right be a good person be a good dude support the sport you know help others that's all comes down to you know what your relationship is between you and that brand right? Um, I just always wanted to be willing to, I always wanted to be that person or willing to be the person to help companies, um, that share that same kind of, um, um, that ethic and vibe. Um, and I just, and I would, and I would keep doing it. And this is, uh, this has been a very, um, unexpected, but a very rewarding, uh, rewarding, um, experience. So I'm very grateful for that.
0: And, and some things that I'll add to that, um, is, one, if you're expecting to get a sponsorship without, you know, really establishing yourself as a competitive shooter beforehand, one, you kind of got to put in the work. You know, you can't just go out there and expect that it's all going to be put into your hand um, unless you're already friends with people. And they may be like, yeah, let, you know, we'll, wor- we'll work on your development. But if you don't know anybody, you can't just expect somebody to give you everything for nothing. You There has to be some type of skill already there. Um, and I, and I, and I say that because like, there's somebody I work with now, you know, and he's younger, you know, he's mid twenties and everything. And he's like, he's seen my videos. Like he, you know, he, him and I talk and everything. And I was like, yeah, I'm sponsored by double star, you know, red stitch targets, Sioux city armor. He's like, dude, I, I, you know, can you help me get sponsored? I was like, well, do you shoot competitively? have you ever shot a match before? Well, no, I was like, well, you kind of got to put in the work. You can't just expect to to go out there and have people hand you stuff if you've never done it before. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, you might be a good shooter, but nobody knows you right now. You got to kind of build that reputation. Right. Business, and, you've done, and you've done a really good job at doing that. Yeah, a business is a business. Like you, it's not, you can't expect
2: for people to just be like dumping money and, and support into something. Like you have to be willing to put the work um and give back to that brand company whatever it might be um because again like they're willing to put their their situation and and help you out in in whatever manner they may be um but you have to be able to be willing to put that extra go the extra mile and represent that brand well
0: yeah and i'll say like having a sponsorship is like it's almost a second job at that like if you're going to take a sponsorship seriously you have to treat it like it's a job you are. They are giving you something and you have, like you said before, you have to give them something in return. So you have to, you have to have some type of return on investment for them. You can't just go out there and shoot. You need to be pushing, you know, pushing what they are trying to get out the door. Like, how are you going to help them? How are you going to make them money? Because if they're not making any money, they're not going to be able to keep the lights on. If right. they don't keep the lights on, you don't have a sponsorship. Right. I mean, you you mentioned
2: the the aspect of like it's kind of a second job. Hopefully you can just do it and not make it where you're just doing it because it's fun. Like if you do yeah. it well because you have a passion for it, and that's like, you know, I love what I love doing this. Like this is mm-hmm. I, I put everything I have in my like everything hobby all of my stuff is going to towards this, you know, and it just so happens yeah. I'm able to support these companies because it's in line of what I do, even for work, AMTP, right. Like everything that we do competitively is in line of what we do um, with competitive to AMTP, right? It, it's all these uh, trans, um, transferring skills and we can use that. Um, and I'm actually really grateful that they're willing to let us go out and shoot matches. Like they even pay for some of our matches, which is pretty awesome mm-hmm. um, because they understand that what we are pulling from this filling sector is valuable and can be implemented to what we do out, at work, right? Same thing for like, you know, sponsorships
0: yeah
1: yeah all all really great points uh, we've talked about sponsorships before Matt um but I'm I'm happy you got supported man uh if anyone deserves it it's definitely you you've absolutely put in the work um I don't think we've mentioned it but Caribbean open was Josh's fourth match shooting PCC and he came in third overall uh he came in behind Justine Williams. And uh, some random dude from Europe who just like slaps with the PCC. Oh, he's so
2: he's awesome, Dan <laughs> Danny, Danoslavic is a is a monster. Yeah. He's just a monster. He's he's a really funny guy too. I'll tell you stories about him. He's yeah, yeah, very yeah. quiet, but he's he's awesome. He's such a cool dude.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah, man, I'm glad it worked out for you. I'm glad the hard work paid off, and you're you're going to continue to be up there like a you're going to continue to contend at matches. Um, I'm excited for the matches that we're going to attend together in the future. But at this point. Um, out of everything that we've covered, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the audience with?
2: Yeah. Um we get a lot of um me or guys teams and like we get a lot of people that are from the outside, you know, looking in and they're like, you know, hey, like, you know, what do I need to do to get where you're at? Or like, you know, what you know, I'm seeing I want I have a passion for instructing or I have a passion for shooting. Like, what do I need to start? Right. If you have a passion for something, right? You like there's a certain level of your own due diligence to have that personal drive to find what you want, right? But the resources are there, right? Whether it be us or whoever. And if you really are passionate about something, like just go for it, right? Use the resources and use the information that is available to you. Even if it seems to be, maybe it's, you know, maybe it just seems a little table try, right? And I think that if you're willing to put in the work to do something that you're passionate about, that alone will, will get you further than just, just wondering if it's going to work out or not. Right. And so I, for anyone that, you know, that is interested in doing this kind of stuff, like just go for it, practice, isolate the skills, you know, research, um, you know, ask questions, go to matches, like do things on your own because the self-development part of it is super important. And, uh, and then once you get to a level where you're like, you don't really, you're kind of stuck you don't know where to go, then you start expanding to other people. Right. Look, when you go to matches, you're going to meet everybody. Mm -hmm. right that's where you start building your relationships and that's where you're going to meet the you know like sometimes you might who knows you might meet the world champion there and then you know he's a resource of information so like use that to um you know better yourself as either an individual as a competitor and just just go for it
1: enjoy it it's fun (laughs) June's fun man
2: yeah it sure (laughs) is that's why
1: we do the podcast it's why we're you know on the road for most weekends Uh, But Josh, thank you for your time. I'm glad we uh, managed to get you on and have you talk about the Caribbean Open and also your path to the team and everything that's transpired to get you to this spot at this time. Uh, For our listeners, I appreciate you listening. Please give us a review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you are listening to us. Let us know how we're doing and uh, we'll see you next time.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: See ya.